Hallelujah. How's everyone doing this morning? Are you ready to get into the Word? All right. Well, I don't have a message to preach, so you can go home. Let me bless you. No, I'm just playing. I'm just messing with you. Well, honey, I want you to come up, if you would, my beautiful wife. I want you to pray. Um, Amen. I love when she comes up here to pray. Um, Chris and Carly Ritchie's spiritual parents are here, and I just want to honor you, John and Judy Ross. Would you stand? You have a ministry in San Diego, and we just thank. They're actually in Nevada taking some time off, and they came to visit us, so God bless you. Look forward to meeting you after service, and we're going to connect. So what a great time of worship. Amen? Good to see everybody. Would you look at the person next to you and just say, it's good to see you in church. Amen. Rochelle, I want you to just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the word of God that comes in like a, like a sword, but it comes out healing, God. I thank you for a word in time, a word in season that would, be, that would set f- fit the joints in, in us, set fit the members in us to put us together the way that you see, God. I just thank you for a word in season that will just impart to us faith, fire, and a passion for you, God, a passion for your name, a passion for your people. So right now we open our hearts. In Jesus' name, we open our hearts. Just lift your hands and say, I receive it, Lord. To receive from you, God. To receive from you. Hearts open and ready for a word, God. Come in and change us from the inside. Change us from the inside so we don't look the same as we did yesterday. Amen. 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 Love you, honey. You're awesome. Let's give God one, one shout of praise before. Come on, just thank him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to stir your heart this morning. I want to encourage you um, with a word that will continue to launch us into reaching people. We were created to be sent by God. We were sent by God. Jesus sent us out. That's where we get the word apostle or apostolic. Jesus sent us out the same way the Father sent him. And he breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We are to be a church that is sent by God to reach the unreached and touch the untouched. God is pouring out new wine and he's reforming the church to contain this new wine. There's a new wineskin being formed, a new wineskin. It's going to redefine the way we evangelize, the way that we do outreach. How many know that, that Paul defined the gospel, the full gospel, as one demonstrated in power with signs and wonders. Amen. And we're starting to see even greater breakthroughs, but I want to share with you, I want to share with you a word from the Lord to arise and go, and I want to pray that God would, God would not just stir your heart, but literally break chains off of us as a people from a I I want to call it pew-sitting mentality, but it's much more than that. It's much deeper than that. It's a heart issue of prejudice that needs to be broken. See, as the church, sometimes I think we think that we have all the answers, and we just love saying the right thing at the right time. And it comes mainly from the pulpit. That we love to be eloquent. We love to be elite. We love to be dignified. We love to look good, but I'm telling you, God is looking for a generation that will become undignified 
God is looking for a generation that doesn't care about popularity, doesn't care about power or position, but runs after his heart and loves people for who they are. The story of Jonah, I love the story of Jonah. I want to read Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. He said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against them. I want us to pray again. Lord, give us hearing ears right now what the Spirit is saying to the church We don't just want another message. We want a word from God that will change us in Jesus' name. What's the last message you heard? How many good messages have you heard in your life? How many times has God spoke to you like Jonah, and then you get up and you run the other direction? Jonah, after hearing this, literally got up, and it says he ran from the presence of the Lord. He bought a a ticket on a ferry and said, I'm going the opposite direction. God told him to do something. God spoke to him. How many times we go to church and we get wrecked, right? How many know the the gauge for women if church was good is if there's mascara all down the side of your face? Ladies, come on, somebody. Right? How was church? What do you think? Look at this mascara right here. We go, we go up to the altar, we're crying out to God, we fall out under the power of God for 20 minutes and we can't move, we're drunk in the spirit, and then we leave and we hear a word from God, God says, give me everything, and then we go and we run the opposite direction. And I want to talk about this story of Jonah because I believe it's important we understand what God spoke to us. Many of us think, well, well, God's silent. Well, it's not that he's silent, it's just you haven't done what he told you to do last time. I think sometimes we wonder, why is God silent? Well, because he spoke to you and he's still waiting for you to respond to his love. What's the last message you heard? I, I think about my son, Josiah. Man, Josiah, it means the fire of God and he is the fire, he's the wrath of God. I think we should rename him. When he was little, he was chubby. We called him Jehoshaphat, but his name is Josiah and he's the fire of God. When I tell my son to do something, he runs the other direction. Josiah, don't go that direction, and he runs the opposite direction. How many have children know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's better to just be silent to him, and maybe he'll just know where we're going and do what we say. And sometimes we wonder why God is silent. It's because when he speaks, we like to run the other direction. God, how come you're not speaking to me? Well, because you ain't listening, son. Hello. I want to encourage you this morning. I think about a great preacher, Smith Wigglesworth. Those of you that know who he is, apostle of faith. One of his last sermons, his great messages he preached. Some lady outside the church is standing there and says, Smith Wigglesworth, that was such an amazing message. And, oh, you were wonderful. And he begins to well up in tears, not with encouragement. But he says, get your eyes off me and get your eyes on Jesus. That was his last words. He actually died after that as an old man. He died after that. Those were his last, some of his last words. How many know last words are important? If you ever had a family, God forbid, you know, family member, loved one that's passing away, and, and you get to spend time with them, and they know it's time, and they share their last words with you, I'm sure that they're going to be meaningful and very important, you know, like what life is really, what's important in life. Amen? 
Many times, grandpas before, you know what? If I would have known I was going to live this long, my grandfather said I would have taken better care of myself. As he welt up in tears looking at all his grandkids and knowing what's important, what's family. Well, I think about the resurrected Jesus. What were his last words? His last words in Matthew 28 were, go therefore. And I want to encourage you this morning, let's take heed to the words of Jesus. And the word of the Lord to Jonah, he said, arise and go. This morning, I think that in order to break this cycle, we need to look deep in the story of Jonah and look at the heart issue of why did he not want to go? Why did he run? Why did he he say, no, God, I'm going the other direction? There's a reason why, and it goes deep into his heart. So many of you know the story. Jonah found himself running from God. He's in the midst of a storm, and the people on the boat walk up to him, and they're like, where are you from? They're like, what set you from? And he's like, I'm from the Hebrew set. You know, I'm a Hebrew, and I serve the God, I'm paraphrasing, the God of heaven. And then he adds this, who made the sea and dry land. He had to say that because they're in the middle of a, a storm. And they said, well, why is this happening? And he explains to them, well, I'm running from God. And they're like, okay, well, you got to go then. And, uh, I mean, they were doing everything. If you've ever been in a storm, you know, in life, you'll do everything you can. And, and they're throwing away precious cargo to sustain through the storm. But if they just were in a place of obedience, they wouldn't have had to do all of that stuff. And so Jonah is like, do what you got to do, right? And, and so they're praying literally, God, forgive us as we do this. Have you ever done that before you sin? Don't lie. Come on. You know, Lord, forgive me. And then you sin. They're like, forgive us for throwing Jonah over, but he's got to go. They toss him over. Immediately it calms. Now, I want to read to you Jonah chapter 1, verse 15. It says, so they picked up Jonah, threw him in the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. These were not men of God. These were not Hebrews. These were not God's people yet. They were Gentiles. He said that they feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. A lot of times we think that we're in a situation because God sent a fish to swallow us up, but I'm here to explain to you that had he not sent the fish, Jonah probably would have died. He was in the middle of sea. God sent the fish in order to spare his life. So the situations we have in our life where we run from God and he gets our attention and the things that we begin to think, well, why is this happening? It's actually God sparing us out of the situation because of our disobedience. I think it's very important we understand our responsibility. Many, many say, well, God is in control. And they're usually saying it from a place of, well, if it must be God's will then. You know, I guess God just wanted this person to kill themselves. I guess God just wanted, no, 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 no. We have a responsibility. And Jonah, thank God for whales when you're stuck in the middle of the ocean. Thank God for times where God brings things to spare us in the middle of situations and trying times. And in this situation, Jonah finds himself in a little predicament And guess what he does? He starts having a pity party. Sound familiar? Oh, God. In his prayer, he even prays this. I love this. He says, you've driven me from your presence. Will I ever see you again? 
verse 1 or 3 said he ran from the presence of the Lord. And now he's like, God, you've driven me. No, 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 no. You drove yourself away from the presence of the Lord. Well, I'm so far from God. Well, just turn around and run home because he's right there waiting for you. You know, running from the call of God, running from God, is, it's not just, it's a heart. It's a deep heart issue. And I want to talk about something. The bottom line is, is that, that Jonah didn't think that this city deserved the mercy of God. I want to talk about the way we, the church, the elite, the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the way we look at the unsaved. A couple weeks ago, I got to share a message on Cornelius, the Gentile man who feared the Lord. And how Peter had a vision from God and God said, stop looking at things that I've cleansed unclean. And he was talking about people, if you read it. And how the Lord needs to open our eyes, give us vision. And then God used Cornelius to bring a testimony to this man named Peter who had the the keys of the kingdom to forbid and not to forbid. And God opened up the door for salvation to a whole people group, non-Jews. This story of Jonah just rings in that. And it just rings that in our hearts we've got to see people the way God sees them. See, this city group was not God's people. They were Gentiles. I think about our own story. My wife and I, uh, two and a half years ago, God called us to Henderson. And, uh, and we came to Henderson, oh, we're going to plant a church, hallelujah, and we're going to bring revival, and, 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 and then God put us in the belly of Henderson for three years. He says, no, you ain't doing nothing until you get my heart, because you're saying I love people, and you're saying I want to evangelize, but your heart doesn't even want anything to do with them. And God had to put me in the belly of Henderson to get his heart for three years crying out to God. And many times I identified with Jonah. I would pray these prayers like, you know, these pity prayers. Lord, I thank you that you hear my prayer, not like the heathens, you know. Sound familiar? Like the, the Pharisee prayer that Jesus rebuked. He was doing the same thing. He was talking about Nineveh. He's still regurgitating this devaluing of God's voice and call in his life through his prayers. And God wants to deal with that heart issue in us the way we see people. Amen. So our story goes that three years we're, we're crying out, we're crying out to God, and, and, and God says your heart needs to break for this city. Your heart, you need to understand that these people deserve my mercy. These people in Henderson deserve my mercy. So you guys know the rest of the story. It says that Jonah got puked into ministry. Amen. That's why ministry's messy. Many times that's the best way to get thrown into ministry because then you won't run because you've already been there and you know it doesn't work. He got a second chance. God speaks to him again a second time, it says. I want to I just take a moment and just say law on second chances. How many here have had a second chance? Maybe your second chance is today. How many have had a third Fourth, a fifth, sixth, seven, eight, nine, 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 sold. Can I get a tenth or a twenty? Come on, Derek. Sold to the man in the white shirt around the front row. A hundred chances, a thousand chances. Come, thank God for his mercy. The Bible says his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. 
Sometimes we, can't, we forget where we come from. We're so quick to, oh, God, so merciful. We come to the altar, weep, crying. We receive all this forgiveness like the parable of the man who owed much debt. Then we walk out on the street and see some sinner. We're like, look at you, son. You need to go to church. Well, how are you doing? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. That doesn't come from a place of thankfulness. It comes from a place of being pious and, and being elite. And, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, unlike you. Little do you know that God's gaze is on the sinner's heart. Little do you know that God's looking at the prostitute just like the woman caught in adultery saying, I just want to tell her how much I love her that her bonds can be broken. She can go free. God, I want to see with your eyes. I want, to, I want this thing to be dealt with on the inside of me. If you're running from God, turn to him. He has a dream for you. He has a plan for you. Jonah 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the message I'll tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Say that, an exceedingly great city. A three-day journey in extent. Now he goes and he preaches and he tells them, Hey, if you don't repent, it's not going to be pretty in 40 days. And they say, We don't want not pretty, so we're going to just do what you say. And they turn to the Lord. The king turns to the Lord. The king issues literally the media of that day, the media of that day, right, issues, and everyone turns to the Lord. Imagine a movie that's actually really awesome and creative in Hollywood, a Christian one, not cheesy Christian ones, I mean like the real deal, and and just millions are saved. In one day, 120,000 people turn to the Lord. A city in a day. A city in a day. Say that. A city in a day. Well, praise God, one brother came to the altar this morning. A city in a day. Come on. I want that kind of faith. God, I want a city in a day. We're going to see it. Man, imagine multitudes running because they see the real mercy of God and his people. Because they don't come and, and they're going to be judged and they're going to be told what to do and they're, they're under the governing law of the Old Testament. Old Testament mindsets, we're looking down on the people and no, 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 we're lifting them up, we're holding them up, we're saying, oh, there's a plan for your life, God has such a destiny for you and we're speaking words of affirmation and prophetic words. Remember a couple weeks ago, Peter was preaching, it says that as he was preaching, the Spirit fell on them. He didn't have an altar call. Why? Because he had a ruah word. What is ruah? That means a living word. That means it's the Hebrew word for breath and spirit and wind. It means Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. So as he spoke, the spirit breathed into them. That's the type of words we need, not condemning judgmental words, telling everyone what's wrong with with them. We need to tell them what's right with them and where God is wanting to take them. Amen. God's raising up a Jonah generation. God is raising up. Many years ago, I had a dream, and in the dream, I saw a book, and it said the Jonah generation, and on the front was a man named Sean Boltz and Banning Lipsner. I messaged them. I don't know them. But I messaged them and told them. Banning Lipsner asked what it was in the dream. Five years later, the Jesus Culture book, the first chapter is about a Jonah generation. I'd never heard that before. Because God is revealing to us how important it is to understand this story of Jonah. Because so many times, we don't even understand that he was the only prophet in the Old Testament sent to a Gentile city. The only prophet sent 
to a Gentile non-Jew city to proclaim life to them. Just think about that for a moment. It says that it was an exceedingly great city in Jonah 3.3. You know, many scholars actually believe that Jonah might not have wrote this because of that right there in verse 3 of chapter 3. Why? Because it wasn't a great city. What does that mean? That means that God saw it as a great city. Well, it was a narrator maybe that wrote it. uh, Maybe a narrator wrote it years after the actual occurrence of the story. But the fact is, it's a prophetic word. If you look deep in the Hebrew, exceedingly great city can be translated a city important to God. Wow. You mean that all those sinners in Las Vegas and lost wages? Sin city? No, revival city. Get it straight. I, I believe that who named Las Vegas? It means meadow covered in grass. I think God must have named it. And call those things as not as though they were. He said, I'm going to do a new thing in the desert. Springs in the desert. It's named Meadow. It, that's, the, that's what Vegas means. So when Elvis in the 60s was singing Viva Las Vegas, he was prophesying revival. Live life in the meadow. Hallelujah. That's a good time to shout. You see, through the life of Jonah, God was trying to reveal his heart to a nation, to an Israel nation, to a body, to a church, to a people group saying, Salvation is to you, and also I want the original covenant God made with him, with, with the Hebrew nation, was with who? Abraham. Thank you, Bible students. The first covenant he made with man was with who? What, what was the promise? Genesis 12, 3. God says that all nations would be blessed. That was his goal. Look at the Messianic prophecies. Jesus even said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I'm going to get, and I'm going to bring them close to me. Because I'm looking at them. My gaze is on them too. They're lost, and I'm going to bring them close to me. And God was looking at this city, and Jonah, something was wrong in his heart. He thought he was better than all these people. We need a prophetic revelation of how God sees a city and how God sees people. Nineveh was full of sinners and important to God. Henderson is full of sinners and important to God. Las Vegas is full of broken people, and it's important to God. It'll be known for prostitutes being converted to a loving Savior. It'll be known for drug dealers getting free like that and having no desire. One one moment, they're completely addicted to methamphetamines. The next moment, they're completely free saying, this was the enemy. And now imagine, imagine this, the shackles broken off of their life, and then hundreds are free just like that. Well, if God set that brother free, then I know he can set me free. It was important to God. It was important to God. It, it, it clearly shows that after this, the nation of Israel went in the other direction of God using them to bless other nations, and they became nationalistic and exclusive. Sound familiar, church? Let that sink in for a minute. I don't want my heart to have an elitist. I don't want to be an elitist Christian. I don't want to look down on people. We've built it that way. We're up on a platform. We've, and, and I know that there are practical senses in the, in the way that that comes actually from so everyone can hear. But I think just in the spiritual sense, we have to understand God wants to tear down the elitism mentality in the church, especially towards one another. Let me say that again, especially towards the bride. I want to see more of the harvest well, God is not going to allow us to bring in that great harvest of fish 
if we're just going to transplant them in another murky pond called the church. Because if we're not loving each other, if we're looking down on each other, what, that's all they know. That's all hurting people know. My daddy talked down to me my whole life. My mom and my sister, I'm saying in, 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 you know, for conversation's sake, all the hurting people, that's all they know is dishonor, no love. I want people to know real love. I want to know real love. We're experiencing that. We're learning Abba's heart. We're experiencing the manifest presence of God where he's just molding our hearts together. And we're looking at people the way God wants us. We've got to break elitism in the church. Psalm 2.8, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The nations of the world, from the inner city to the outer nations. Pastor Denise Goulet told us a story. We're at lunch with them. Um, and she was telling us a story of something happened in her life. She was completely transformed. She went to Mozambique and hung out with Heidi Baker for a few weeks. How I many know that'll probably change your life? Parents, send your kids. Amen. They'll get used to the flies. She goes to Mozambique expecting to, you know, maybe minister or whatever. And Heidi Baker brings her into this place where there's all these pastors and there's people, and it's all Heidi Baker's friends. She says, I want to introduce you to my friends. And she's sitting at a table with lepers, people with one eye, and some of them are deformed. She's like, these are my friends. And she sat and ate with them and drank with them and just learned to love again. And her heart broke for them. And she realized that in her own life how she, she saw servanthood the, the way that, like, it's like, I want to I wanna serve you. And, and, and it, she began to understand that God wants us to take, like, take this water. If I can serve you, then I need to come under you. I need to get down on my knees and I need to lift you up and say, here's some water. Drink this. Be refreshed by this. And we have the wrong mentality when it comes to reaching people and loving one another. We've got to learn what true, a true servanthood is. It's coming under. It's saying, I want to esteem you higher than I esteem myself. What if all the leaders in the church were like that? Wow, the saints might actually do the work of the ministry. Jonah chapter 4, as I close, I want my wife to read Jonah 4, 6 through 11. I want us to see the, the reality of, of Jonah's heart, his condition. Even after this great revival, he's mad and depressed. Because he didn't believe God deserved, that this, these people deserve God's mercy. Because his heart wasn't right in the sight of God. He did the work of the ministry, and he still had heart issues. Jonah 4, 6 through 11. God arranged for a broadleaf tree to spring up. It grew over Jonah to cool him off and get him out of his angry sulk. Jonah was pleased and enjoyed the shade. Life was looking up. But then God sent a worm. By dawn of the next day, the worm had bored into the shade tree, and it withered away. The sun came up, and God sent a hot, blistering wind from the east. The sun beat down on Jonah's head, and he started to faint. He prayed to die. I'm better off dead. 
Then God said to Jonah, what right do you have to get angry about this shade tree? Jonah said, plenty of right. It it made me angry enough to die. Stop just one moment before we continue to read the next couple verses. Some of us have been through a season in life where they are depressed and hurting and broken and God sends a tree to give you shade. But don't stay there. And God sent the the worm and and you're going to see in just a moment how this is a picture of, of what happened with the city of Nineveh. But I want to encourage, I felt like the Holy Spirit said there's some people that are staying under the tree instead of running back to where God has called you to go. Don't stay there and then blame God for the sun beating on your head. Somebody died on a tree so that you could be free. God will send things for times to shade us, but he wants us to be responsible with the freedom and grace that he gives us. Please read. God said, what's this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure, this big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't know yet right from wrong to say nothing of all the innocent animals? In the beginning, it says that God saw their wickedness. And Jonah knew the heart of God. He even mentioned it. You're a compassionate God, yet at the same time, he did, just didn't feel that they deserved his mercy. I think one of the reasons that we don't see a mighty harvest, and we see God do a lot of great things, but I believe that this end-time harvest will come when we understand what we're talking about this morning, not looking down on each other and not looking at people the way Jonah looked at Nineveh, seeing hope in a lost city, seeing salvation in hurting people. When I said yes to come to Henderson, it was lip service in the beginning. Then God broke up fallow ground in my own heart. I've been at outreaches with over a 1,000 people. When, year, many years ago, we used to come and we did massive outreaches in Henderson. And we'd go to the convention center and give stuff away. We'd preach the gospel to them. We'd love them. We'd see them weep and cry. I sat at outreach with over a 1,000 people one Christmas and and we're loving on these people, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't even want to be here. I was Martha in the kitchen. I didn't spend time sitting at the table with the Lord. I didn't spend time at his feet and, and hear what he really wanted me to do. I had to get his heart. He had to break up that fallow ground because I still looked down on people. But when I learned to serve. I learned to love. I learned to be Jesus to the world. I learned to come under. I learned to lift up. I learned to come close and say, how can I help you? How can I make you be the best version of you in God? That's what making disciples is, bringing people into their destiny. It's easy to say yes, but I want Jesus to change my heart about people. I want to love people. I want to believe in people. Hello? I want to believe in people. I've seen God transform lives and marriages and set people free from drugs, heal their physical body, raise the dead, a sister given, literally, how many death sentences in the hospital. She opens her eyes during a coma. This just happened a couple months ago. I'm seeing God raise the dead, but I want to be able to see that in people that are spiritually completely dead and say, no, 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 
God can set you free. I want to believe in people. I do believe in people. I believe in everyone in this room. I believe God has a destiny for you if you run to him. I want to believe in a city that people call sin city and hopeless and pronounce judgment. When the world is singing Viva Las Vegas, the church is saying no more rock and roll. God, get rid of our religion and our tradition. We want to represent you, not an elite system that the enemy has crafted in to our four walls. Amen. Let's pray. God, just just circumcise our hearts. Open our eyes to see. We pray, Lord, for the spirit of repentance just to come and just, Lord, break up that fallow ground in our heart. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I ask you to just come right now and just work on us. Just take a moment and allow him to just mold, shape your heart. This morning, maybe you're running from his call. It's time to run home. Maybe you feel like I've I've looked down on people my whole life because maybe you've just been looked down on and God wants to heal those heart wounds and he wants to lift you up. Love lifts you up. His love just going to lift you up. If we really love, we're lifting people up, not tearing them down because love lifts up. So, Lord, I pray you'd lift up the broken and the lowly right now. Those that are just in the pit, God, those that are just down. Lord, lift them up right now. Lift them out of depression. Lift them out of alcoholism. Lift them out of drug addiction. Lift them out of a broken, hopeless marriage. Bring restoration to your people that you love, God. You love, you love, you love us so much. I'm praying right now for every broken, hurting person in this room. If you, just, if you just want the Father to just embrace you with hope and restoration, I want you to just stand up right where you are without hesitation. Just stand up and say, that's me. Maybe you're responding to the word and say, I've, I've carried this thing and, and I, I've looked down and I'm, I, don't want, I want to break this elitism thing, this overly patriotic, this thing. It's like we're just... We're so loyal to our, our religious system, but we forget that it's all about love. Just stand where you are. If you want healing, if you need to be healed and set free, just stand where you are. And I want to pray. Let's pray together. Lift your hands and just ask Him right now. Ask Him in your own words. Cry out. Those of you that pray, pray in the Spirit. Come on, don't be passive. Cry out. Say, God, take this thing. Just circumcise. Cut out this stuff, Lord. Just carve out a place in me so I can contain your love, God. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for this moment, this defining moment. We receive what you're doing into our lives. We receive what you're doing. I want you to turn the worship up just for a moment. Just let's take a few minutes. I want to I want to just pray that, that that would just just soak in, just sink in your heart. Hallelujah. There's some prodigal sons and daughters. There's some unsaved. Maybe there's some people here you don't know Jesus. And, and I want to apologize for 
maybe some others, even maybe even myself at times that have misrepresented him. And I want to represent him, represent him to you as a loving savior that wants to lift you up right now. If you turn to him and you confess your sin, he'll forgive you and he'll, he'll save you. If you don't know Jesus and you're saying, I, something about this moment, I want to know that I'm going to have, I want to know him. I want this real love in my life. I want to know I'm loved and I want to love. If that's you, every eye closed, I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me right now. Lift one hand high and say, I, that's what I want. There's hands going up. Anyone else, just lift your hand. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know real love. You can put your hand down and I want us to pray. Rochelle, I want you to come and lead us in a prayer. Now, this, you can pray on your own, and I want you to do that. I want you to just begin right now. Just confess your sins. Lord, I'm sorry for doing this. I'm sorry. God, forgive me for hating. Forgive me for being angry. Forgive me for lying. Out loud, begin to confess your sins from an honest heart. Say, Lord, cleanse me. I'm sorry. And I want my wife to lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to dismiss you. And I want to encourage you to take some time to fellowship. It's 1232. Honey, would you lead them in a prayer? Father, Daddy, I'm giving you my heart. You can repeat after me. I'm giving you my heart. I'm running, not walking. I'm running into your arms, into arms of a daddy that loves me. I, I repent for the things that I've done. I repent for the things that I don't even know that I've done that have just defamed your name. And I run home to you, God. I run home to you. I ask that you would come and you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and that you would be, bring comfort and hope and freedom and truth to my life right now in the name of Jesus. See, salvation isn't just a one-time act of you receiving Jesus as your Savior, but salvation is salvation, healing, and deliverance from now for forever. So if you have chains, or if you feel bound, or if you feel like you're far from God, say, I'm running home to you, Daddy, because I need salvation, and I need healing, and I need deliverance, and freedom and freedom in Jesus name if that's you just lift both hands and say I'm receiving freedom receive right now it, Lord yeah I'm receiving wholeness right now hallelujah I'm running home to you God yeah. running home Jesus the altar workers quickly just come up front all the altar workers that are prayer counselors you've been through some of our training and want you to come we're going to dismiss you but those of you that made a commitment to Jesus, or you need prayer for anything, healing, salvation, deliver anything, you want to come and just tell one of these prayer counselors and leaders, listen, I gave my heart to Jesus. I need to be discipled now. We want to make that time available for you as we kind of just afterglow and some will just fellowship with one another. So I want to bless you before you go. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, give God another shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So I want you to take your time. And those of you that would like to come, just come and, and pray with some of our prayer counselors so we can just agree with you, pray with you. 
Um, make sure you get plugged in. Make sure you get a Bible. You get discipled. Discipleship is relational. And God has called us to make disciples, not converts. So be a disciple. It's time to grow in him. Amen. Father, I thank you for what you did this morning. I just speak blessings over your people. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our hearts. We say yes. We love you, Abba, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God one last shout and love one another before you go. Please come if you need prayer. Bless you.